Are you ready for the most informative, well-thought-out hockey podcast on the internet? You are? Sorry. It's just Crown Conversations with your hosts, Robin P. and James Nicholson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Crown Conversations. Just a quick little merry fisticuffs right before the holidays. Uh, but first, I do have some news to announce. I will be adding James Nicholson as a permanent co-host to the podcast. So thank you for joining me, James. Woo! Oh, are you excited to regret some decisions you've made? <laughs> He's here to permanently bring down the state of this podcast. All right. <laughs> Do you want something nice to listen to? Too bad. I'm, <laughs> I'm making it mediocre. <laughs> you can't stop me. But you know what? I am looking forward to it. I think this is going to be fun. I, th I think yes. you're going to bring something interesting and different to the pot. People just usually listen to me Babylon. So now they can listen to you Babylon with me. Yeah. Yeah. We'll babble on about Babylon and, and other ancient empires. Now, what's this podcast about again? We are doing fights and ah. chirps. And so tis the season to be merry and mad. And I was thinking about it the other day because I was thinking, even though a lot of us aren't going to be with our family in person, that's not going to stop somebody from saying stupid over a Zoom call or starting a fight some, somehow, some way, someplace else. Because it, it is the holidays and this is what we do in the holidays. We fight. That's true. Uh, nothing really makes me feel more merry than raining blows upon those who love me most. <laughs> I didn't mean literal fights or fists fights. I meant more like verbal arguments, but you know, you do you, James. I, I'm, I don't want to judge your family. We're, we're a, fi a festivist household, so... <laughs> Uh, I my wife is so happy I made a Seinfeld reference uh, <laughs> less than two minutes into being an official co-host of this podcast. So, OK. Um, yeah, no uh, fights and chirps and just agitation. It, it's I miss it because I miss hockey. And I spent so much of today watching old Bradis even fights on YouTube <laughs> and like just reminiscing about when like the idea of the Kings ever being Stanley cup contenders was just a long shot, but we hoped, Oh, did we hope and pray for the day? And we relied on, on a guy wearing number 41 who was not super great at skating to just punch <laughs> people in the face for us to get us there. And Man, I there was one I had spent about an hour trying to find this one that I remembered where even on just goes charging in and loses his mind. And it was, I think, from 2006, where like it's when they had first instituted the no touch icing rule. Um, and Davis Trewiski goes back on an icing call. And a Sharks player just like absolutely like crushes him like headshot from the blind side on an icing, like just everything that you shouldn't do. And even on just goes charging in so fast and like somehow he comes out of the the mass of people on the other side. And he's with Jody Shelley, who was not involved in the play somehow. And the two of them just wail on each other. And it was, it was nice because, uh, you know, Radis Evenon's, I mean, he, gosh, that man 
logged a lot of hard minutes and uh, hard penalty minutes for the Kings when they weren't especially great. And then I was reminded that the Sharks used to have weird orange stripes on their jerseys. That is weird. And I'm so glad they did not do that for their retro jerseys. Oh, oh are we going to just talk about that for longer? Cool. No, that sounds no, great. no, no, no. Stay on topic, James. No ADD tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as you prepare for the inevitable uh, disagreement with your family, <laughs> Uh, what fights bring you joy or solace? I don't know fights like any fights that really bring me joy and solace because I'm sort of on the that okay. You know, my hot take is that fighting is stupid and should absolutely be banned because it brings zero to the game and only leads to more disappointment and injury for players. And particularly notable was, um, oh, but I have to say this uh, as an aside in that I am a horrible um, hypocrite in that I will absolutely cheer at a game. <laughs> if, what if, yeah. if, if, if the Kings are winning their fight? Yeah, yeah. Uh, unlike when Kevin Westgarth fought John Scott. Oh, Oh, that was, oh, let's talk about that. John Scott versus Kevin Westgarth, two heavyweights, but I think that John Scott has a couple inches on Westgarth, right? I think he has five inches on Westgarth. Oh, and like, like, oh man, like John Scott is so massive of a human being and like, is like, having listened to his podcast now is like a really kind of just family oriented, very religious dude, but, um, was not that on the ice. It seemed (laughs) and really punched people very hard in the face. (laughs) It's what he was paid to do. That is very true. And, and Kevin Westgarth, uh, a man who graduated from an Ivy League institution. Princeton College, baby. Uh, same with George Peros. Um, that Powers Booth looking director of player safety. Um, yeah, that like. Westgarth. It was so hard for him, I felt like because he was like he was a big dude, but he wasn't big enough to fight John Scott. And it seemed like a lot of, well, yeah, it also kind of felt like guys, his size, that's when they were starting to be faced out of the game. So it felt like he was always looking for a fight, but there was no one for him to fight with except guys who would really hurt him as John Scott did. Yeah, that was the unfortunate thing about Westgarth is that his skill didn't quite match up to the NHL level that it needed to be in order for him to stay. Um, but from everything that I've heard, he is a, a good dude off the ice. He just, unfortunately, he was big and strong, and so he fit the Dean Lombardi enforcer-type role. But, um, <clears throat> you know, speaking of John Scott and famous fights, Phil Kessel, two-handing lightsaber <laughs> chop. <gasps> Oh man, I, I I feel like I saw him talk about this on uh, Chicklets, where like he was it was a deal with Randy Carlisle because he was the Maple Leafs coach at the time, and like he had been chirping John Scott and sending guys out to like hit him in this preseason game and like just kind of no one standing up and fighting him and he. I guess as he's finishing the shift before he yells at Randy Carlisle, like next time I'm on the ice, I'm going after whoever is next to me. Like whoever you line up against me, I'm going. And Randy Carlisle thought, Oh, I'll be so smart and smug like he is and put (laughs) Phil Kessel out there. And like, apparently he just looks at Phil. He's like, sorry, dude, I have to fight you. And that's when Phil's like, no, no, get away. And two hand slash. 
So <laughs> that one is it's beautiful in just all the 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 just the pure like like just thuggery of the NHL. It's uh, manhood measuring, to put it politely. It's, it's just a pissing contest to see who's manlier. And that's always one of my... That's something that I just always find funny about sports. Um, because it's not the competition, but you have to pretend that it is. So, yeah. Anyways, I always love that fight. I love John Scott's perspective on it. Uh, I love that he turned into this big lovable goofball at the end of his career and in retirement. Whereas before he was just viewed as an absolute monster on the ice because of what he could do to people with his fists. Yeah. It's kind of interesting how the perception, the public perception of him changed and it all started with the all-star game. It was a joke. And then he got voted in to piss off the NHL because their all-star game is um, selection is stupid. And it's just, you know, he came out with it. I, I don't know if he came out in the pink tutu or if it was one of his daughters. But I mean, like, it's just kind of like, oh, I guess he's human. And, and yeah, he can cuss guys because that was that was the job. And I don't know if we should be like. Oh, it's cool. Like, totally understand, bro. But at the same time, like, we're all over here rooting for this stupid garbage sport. <laughs> uh, apparently, Eugene Melnick wrote a blog about CTE. I haven't read it yet because who wants to read <laughs> Eugene Melnick's blog other than Eugene Melnick? <laughs> yeah, Eugene Melnick has a blog now. That's. Okay. That's yeah. I don't but, know what to say about that. I'm just going like I remember him like being so mad about the Matt Cook on Eric Carlson play <laughs> that you know tore up his ACL and yeah. um just how I mean a, a very scary play and and you know thank goodness Eric Carlson has been able to rehabilitate from that and have an outstanding Hall of Fame career. Uh, afterwards and Eugene Melnick really I remember he he said a lot of pretty intense things during that time about his star player who he would trade away because he's a cheap monster um, tell but, us how you really feel James I know but that was also that those like three years from like 2010 to 2013 like Matt Cook was public enemy number one in the NHL like, he was the reason why, like, you know, targeting the head's a penalty and stuff after what he did to Mark Savard. And it was at that time I was working for the Pittsburgh Penguins and was in, like, the radio uh, broadcast office uh, <laughs> when they were in Atlanta and he fought Evander Kane, who was a rookie. <laughs> and that was, I mean, I, like, I, I, I'm not an MMA guy. Like, I, I, I like boxing, but, like, I'm not one of those, like, cover my mouth, bounce up and down and go, ooh. <laughs> but I did on that one because, like, one, the ferocity with which Evander Kane punched him out. How unexpected it was. And then the absolute worry for Matt Cook's well-being because he hits his head hard on the ice. Um, and it felt great because I feel like that was not long after the Mark Savard hit. And it kind of... You know, it, it kind of felt like fair, like payback for it. Because, um, I mean, it, for as great as the Penguins have been in the last, you know, 12 years, they have had a lot of agitators and fighters on that team come through um, with Matt Cook, uh, Aaron Asham, Tom Sestito, uh, uh, just a 
bunch of big goonie guys. And, you know, all to protect Crosby and Malkin, I understand. But, yeah, that one, that one's an all-time for me in terms of watching guys get punched in the face. <laughs> That's kind of an interesting uh, transition, I guess we'll say, you know. Oh, yeah, no, watching people get punched in the face. I liked this one. Just kind of the way you wrapped it up just made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I'm good at that. And, uh, <laughs> oh, man, I just, <laughs> like. You have a way with the words, James. That's what you're good at. <laughs> um, that's why I'm a co-host now. <laughs> like, um, There was another fight that I wanted to talk about. Um, except now I can't remember it. Oh, oh, speaking of fights that make you kind of jump up and down and go, ooh, um, <laughs> in the playoffs, I forget exactly which year it was, but we all know Jonathan Quick to be rational, reasonable, and level-headed when he's playing hockey, right? So when he decided to fight Jumbo, I was like... <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh or to cry or to cheer or do all three all at once. Yeah, he mugged mugged Joe Thornton pretty good there and then uh, quickly skates away. (laughs) 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 I I, was that 2014. I think that might have been. I think it was 2014 because that was when the when the Kings were getting their butts absolutely whooped by the Sharks. It was the next year um, in 2015. But. Yeah, no, that was, um, man, no, because they didn't make the playoffs in 2015. What am I talking about? Anyways, yeah, no, they were, um, I mean, I mean, quick uh, chopping uh, Corey Perry's groin is always up there for me. <laughs> I mean, quick, I was at that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, quick almost finding Corey Crawford at center ice um, was a good one. Or, but like Corey Crawford tried to like, you know, he shook his pat, uh, you know, his pads at him and stuff, and like, quick, just kind of like stares at him, and that's one of my favorite things when a guy <laughs> tries to intimidate or like coax a guy into a fight and he just gets ignored. Um, like, oh, there's a great one with Steve Ott and Andrew Shaw, where Steve Ott like flinches like he's going to smack uh, Andrew Shaw with a stick. And you should just like turns his head. He's like, I didn't even flinch. Like, that's embarrassing for you. Because <laughs> it's just like good hockey chirps are like watching comedians embarrass hecklers. Oh, like, yes. Like the, the good ones are very good. There was a I'm not going to relive the the person who said it, but, you know, or re- rehash it really much, but you know, uh, there was one that came out after the 2014 road to the cup, and you know, it was like F U U F and Effer, like something like that. It was like, shut the fuck up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut, up, shut the fuck up. All he could say was, like, shut the fuck up, like the whole time. I was like, man, you're bad at this. I know English is not your first language, but man. I, oh man, uh, I mean, Drew Doughty and, and oh. at the Dodger Stadium game to Patrick Maroon, where he just like goes, buddy, you suck at hockey. It's just, it's so sweet. <laughs> and Patrick Maroon has obviously won now two Stanley Cups in two years. I don't know how true that is, but it's still a great chirp. Um, and it was at the time. I love, uh, the HBO 24 seven leading up to the winter classic games. Yes. Like Tom, I think it's Tom Stasito with, is he playing for Boston or, or Philadelphia? And he's like yelling at the Rangers and Brad Richards, like just kind of like looks at me. He's like, I I hope you have fun at the NHL today. Like you're not going to be here long. So make the most of it. (laughs) Like, oh man, that that's that's a good one. Oh, I just I love it. I love good good chirps, especially when they make like 
big dumb guys look especially big and dumb. Well, I mean, that's usually Drew Dowry because he's big and well, he's not that big, but he's dumb. He's very not smart, like off the ice. But it's just hilarious listening to him chirp because he kind of thinks like he's a 12 year old <laughs> a lot of the times. So he, like he's like, oh, you're just I think he said this to um, it was like another one of those like behind the scenes things. Um, I forget who he said it to. I think it was Pat Maroon or somebody on the Ducks. And he's like, you're just a fourth liner. Go back to the AHL or something stupid like that. Yeah, yeah. That was that was Maroon. Oh, man. those. He really like loves he loves to get into it with Maroon. Yeah. Uh, but uh, who is it that was on the blues for the longest time that Jonathan Quick absolutely loathes? And there's a few guys. Uh, oh, yeah. He won the Stanley Cup, I think, with St. Louis. I can't remember. Patrick Berglund? Um, no. It's not Steen. I forget who it is. It'll come to me later. But, um, oh, he was with the Blues, and then he was either traded or UFA. Oh, I can't Oshie? remember. No, 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 not Broshi. Nobody cares about Broshi. Uh, Ryan Reeves? No. DJ uh, Crombine? No. <laughs> I am. I'm sorry. Uh, let me just keep guessing. This is good podcasting, right? Yeah, absolutely, James. <laughs> so it makes you an excellent co-host. Yeah. Uh, oh. It's going to drive me crazy. Um, But they're always, like, Jonathan Quick, every time they play... Like he's always like David getting into Perron or Backus. Yes, yes, Perron. Oh, that guy is so annoying. Oh, Jonathan Quick hates his guts. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't David... know what he does, like, or what he's done in the past, because there's some games where it seems like Perron is doing nothing, and for all we know, he could be out there chirping quick all the time but i mean like quick's always back there trying to give him like a slash behind his knees and dude like that he is just he's sandpaper like like guys like him and brandon dubinsky like they just aggravate the hell out of the players who play against them and you you just don't see it but whatever's happening on the ice they are just making them so angry. Um, and like David Perron has a really good career. I mean, he's been in the league for, I mean, 12 years now, 13 years, 850 career games, 550 points. Like that's, that's a really good career for a player. And like, I have never understood why he plays with the style he does. Oh, yeah. Brad Richardson. I mean, he's not anywhere near as good as David Perron, but Brad Richardson's effectiveness at who he is comes a lot from being the most annoying guy ever. That's what Kat Silverman told me. You know, I absolutely see that. Like, because it's just all hustle. He doesn't shut it off. It's kind of like Alex follow the way like he just go. He keep, he won't quit the play when most other people would have. And it's just annoying. And like I follow has some hands and can, you know, finish off some plays, which is fun. And I think Kings fans can look forward to Jared Anderson Dolan doing that, too, because Jared Anderson Dolan does not stop when he's on the ice. It's very fun to watch. Um, yeah. But my gosh, I like. Uh, I miss hockey. <laughs> I I think my all time favorite chirp is kind of a self chirp, though. Which it's, is it's Steve Ott. And he's like getting ready for a face off against Claude Giroux. And he's just like, I'm so good at face offs. I'm number five in the league. Check out NHL.com, man. <laughs> 
probably just gonna win this face off right back, you know, to my left here. And he's just talking so much crap. And then like they drop the puck and Claude Giroux wins it clean. Like it, it was perfect. It's just oh, couldn't happen to a better guy. Uh, <laughs> you know what's actually kind of it's a sort of self own similarly, but and it's it's a more genuine and something that you can root for. But it, it's Pat Maroon, and it came out after, um, well, it really came out after St. Louis won, but since, like, 90% of NHL fans who are not St. Louis fans hate the Blues, nobody really cared about Pat Maroon last year. But when <laughs> Tampa won, when Tampa won, it was endearing, and it was charming, and it was um, chubby but effective. And it's like, I need that on a t-shirt. I mean, that's uh, the headline on my resume. <laughs> so, um, Hire me, it, it, got me, it got me this job as co-host of the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. I Pat Maroon is a guy who. Like he does everything. He really does. And I get why he's so annoying to play against because he's just big. He's so big. And like sometimes he has hands and sometimes he doesn't have hands (laughs) like that play he makes in the Stanley Cup final where he bats the puck out of midair. Oh, my gosh. What a sweet play that was. Oh, my goodness. But then there's other times where you're just like, what? What? Why are you here? What is the point of view? You're just a fourth liner. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm I'm looking at his career stats right now. And like 513 career games, 229 points. Like 97 goals, like a goal every 5 games from a guy who is your in most instances your enforcer. Like that's pretty darn good production. From a guy who's a fourth liner. I feel like with the Ducks. He kind of got into that enforcer role. But when he was with St. Louis. And even a little bit with Tampa. He got away from that sort of typical. Just stand there and scream the goalie with your fat ass. Type of role. When he was in Edmonton. He had 27 points. Or 27 goals one year. His playoff yeah. numbers are really good. I, so it's, that's what I'm, I'm saying. I mean, I feel like he can actually... I feel like when he was away from Anaheim, he could be a good player when he's put into like a specific role other than just stand there and be fat. Oh my gosh. The 14-15 playoffs in 16 games, 7 goals, 4 assists for 11 points, and only 6 penalty minutes. Like, you know, Mary and Gabrick had really good playoffs once. Once. <laughs> once. I mean, yeah. It, oh, in his, he's played almost 100 career playoff games. Like, Gabrick or Maroon? Maroon. 98 games, 40 points. Is this a Pat Maroon podcast now? I think it is. No. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, I'm here to steer the ship back on... Yeah, cell phones, uh, fights. That a good one, of course, is Dion Phaneuf challenging uh, guys to a fight and then uh, falling over backwards as he drops his gloves. Oh yeah, I think yeah. for me, probably one of the most memorable fights was um, there's two. There was the one where uh, it was a Boston player. It was Sean Thornton. He slew footed somebody on the Penguins. Because that guy had a dirty, cheap headshot. Uh, I forget who it was. It was one of the Penguins' nasty agitator people. I think it, I think it is the next time they played after the Savard hit, where he, he goes after Matt Cook, if I remember correctly. I don't think Thornton dropped Matt Cook, though. Because it was, it was back in, like, 2014, I want to say. Are you talking about when he 
punches Brooks Orpic and his head bounces off the ice. Yeah. Okay. That's who it was when, um, so he slew foots Brooks Orpic and then like totally drops the guy onto the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Like Orpic is already like laying down on the ice and then like with his gloves still on just straight up, like he has his knee on Orpic's chest and punches him again. Like, oof, not a good look. Wasn't a good look then. I know that year I ended up talking to a, a Boston beat writer who I asked him about it. And he, he just like was adamant that Brooks Orpic is a baby for getting a concussion from that, which is just the most Boston <laughs> thing ever. Yeah, it's unfortunate that most of the Boston beat writers suck and one of the good ones lost her job because of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about Marissa and in, in oh my god, I'm gonna butcher her her last name. Yeah, no, she's very good. Amelie Benjamin is also a Boston beat writer who's great. Um, but then there's guys like Joe Haggerty. And Ugh. yeah. How does he have a job? Honestly. How does a guy like Larry Brooks have a job? Like <sighs> they or or Steve Simmons. Like they're oh, just con- they're they stir up controversy and it apparently their editors think, oh, that gets us, you know, relevance for being controversial. We so. got noticed. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. There, uh, there was someone who uh, I think I forgot who it was. I think it was Sarah Valley. He's not normally like that, but he took a Batman quote out of context to yeah, drum up a lot of controversy. And it was just like, dude. You're normally above this. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm just remembering uh, Mike Richards versus Logan Couture in game six of the 2014 playoff round. I I don't remember that. That one was like as the game ended. They fought. Oh, it was like the two of them. And I think like. Brent Burns and Robin Regeer. Like, those were the two fights that happened. Yes, okay. I, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah, okay. And, like, Logan Couture broke his wrist in that fight. And, like, played Game 7 with a broken wrist. And, like, was not super effective in that game. I remember very specifically. And it was because he was playing with a broken wrist. Because he broke it on Mike Richards' head. <laughs> Oh, Mike Richards. But you know what? Mike Richards is happy not playing hockey, even because hockey was bad to him. But he's still making a lot of money from hockey. Yeah. And good for him. Um, You know, I mean, goodness knows the the media in Philadelphia didn't do him a lot of favors. And yeah. um, Well, a certain GM also did him no favors. (laughs) Yeah. But we're not going to talk about that. Um, (laughs) Let's let's move on to something else from hockey fights and chirps. Uh, uh, When uh, Alex Burroughs holds up a bunch of snow on his stick blade to Mike Richards' face. Oh, my God. (laughs) One thing I do remember very distinctly, though, it was Kyle Clifford. I forgot who he was fighting, but, I mean, it was just like a TKO with one punch like dude knocked him out and then clifford was on ir the next day with a concussion is that kevin bieksa probably yeah bieksa has that like they call it the superman punch where he like fakes right and and shoots the left and yeah yeah he's he's taken out a few guys with that and then max domi hit him and i mean he hasn't he didn't play really again after that. Now he's just awesome on Sportsnet's broadcast. He's so <laughs> good in the playoffs. Oh, for those of you who are uh, obsessed with Canadian television the way I am. Um, yeah, I didn't see it. I was stuck with American television. So I got um, Lee McHugh and, and Mike Mil- Milberry and uh, God, who else do they have on there that's 
awful. Uh, Chief Cones. Um, Who? Keith Jones. Oh, but Keith Jones. <laughs> he's pretty good. I like him. He's uh, okay. He's he's not as detestable as Mike Milbury. Anson Carter, I feel like, is always rushing what he's trying to say. And I just kind of want to remind that guy to take a deep breath. I don't know if he can. Have you seen his co-hosts? <laughs> they don't exactly, like, give him uh, time to... Yeah. No, like... I, I mean, they, they did some good hiring with Jeremy Roenick and Mike Milbury. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least Mike Milbury got kicked out of the the, uh, the playoffs in Toronto. Yeah, that was nice. Um, <laughs> One yeah. good thing he did. <laughs> yeah, now if we could just get Pierre Maguire out, um, we'd be all set. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious um who let's talk about like... some other league news yeah uh it looks like we have a hockey season as of uh an hour ago for pierre lebrun and elliot friedman as we are yeah. recording this on friday december 12th or december 18th and yeah okay it looks good now we just have to wait on canada's provincial health ministers um because well, the theory it... The running theory is that some, and this is a conspiracy theory, so I don't know how true it is, but there's a conspiracy theory that says that some of the teams, some of the Canadian teams are unhappy with their travel schedule for an all Canada division because they won't be able to play in the U.S., obviously. And, like, Winnipeg routinely has some of the most uh, travel heavy schedules, like always most of the, most of the West coast, like actual West coast teams do. I mean, Arizona, I know they're not on the coast, but San Jose and Vancouver, they're almost always in the top five. And so well, is Florida Winnipeg. teams too. Florida. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, Florida and Tampa Bay always have, cause their division is so wacky. Because that, I mean, all the teams in their division are in the Northeast and 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 Canada, and they have to travel a lot. Yeah, um, exactly. I've heard about that. I've heard some of the players aren't happy because, for tax reasons, uh, they get taxed. It, it there's like a tax law, um, that's really prevalent where like you get taxed off of where like for your pay that game based off of the location of that game. So because taxes are higher in Canada, they're going to pay more taxes. Supposedly, they're mad about that, too. Something else that came out of that. Now, there's a trade-off for the players here. They can opt out of this season, but they won't get paid. However, uh, if they opt out uh, and the team doesn't pay them, they add a year to the contract. Yeah, that is interesting. And from a fan perspective, I kind of like that. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it's I don't know if it's the league or the team that has to pay the the players. Uh, I don't know exa exactly how the payment schedule works. James, you being a former NHL player, clearly. Uh, tell me, how does the payment schedule work in the NHL? Is it up to the team or is it up to the, the league? Uh, payment is normally done through the team. That's so, what I thought. Yeah, so like you have signing bonuses and things like that. And then the, the league is, is monitoring the cap, the daily cap situation for each team. And, you know, because like that's when, like, if you remember, um, was it 2014-15 when the Kings had to play without an extra player? Like they played down a man against Philadelphia. Oh yeah. Because they weren't allowed to make the emergency call up because of the salary cap that day, but the real dollars that uh, the team was actually paying that day weren't that much. So yeah, there's there things like that. Because um, it's also like, you know, you back load or front load contracts, but the salary cap is based off of the average for that contract. So yeah, um, there's a lot of different contract things, but yeah, it, 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 
the question you answer or asked that I'm trying to answer is just, yeah, it's the teams. Yeah. So if a player can't come to an agreement with the team, I assume, then I guess that would mean that the team has opted to take the risk on having the player around for an extra year. I mean, both, both options present a double-edged sword, in my opinion. Yeah, they, they do, but it's also COVID times. Yeah. And everything is a double-edged sword right now. Well, okay, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it's going to be a sort of bubble. Like, not exactly how they did it for the playoffs, but there's going to be, like a, a, like, a miniature, minimal bubble. Hence the All-Canada team and the wacky divisions that are that are now being put out there. Yeah. And, and I mean, just really quickly us being here in California, uh, who knows if the California team, if California will be safe for the California teams in a month when play starts, because things certainly are not well here. So yeah, well, I don't know if they'll even be allowed to play because right now professional sports teams aren't allowed to play. There was an exception granted to an NFL team. I think it was the Chargers because they had a Monday night football game. Or was it a yeah. Sunday night football so, game? Something like that. I I know like uh, Santa Clara County especially is just like no nothing. And so I know the Sharks are not currently allowed inside their arena. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Um. I mean, L.A. County has a weak mayor, so he says one thing and then backtracks it with the next breath. No, no, that's not what I meant. I meant something totally different. But this is what you just said. Yes, but that's not what I meant. Yeah, like, well, well, because you have city versus county and, and yeah, the mayor is trying to more strictly enforce some things. Uh, the county is trying to as well, but it would be enforced by... The sheriff's department and the sheriff's department and the county board of supervisors super don't get along. Um, no, again, they all hate each listen, other. You listen to this podcast for the politics. I know you do. <laughs> Let's veer away from the politics. I have no idea what's going on in Orange County. Orange County is its always, own thing. <laughs> they live in their own bubble. Um, Anaheim. I mean, they, they, they depend mostly on Disneyland to exist, but the governor has overruled everybody and said, no, not even the theme parks can operate right now. They weren't even allowed to operate at all when things were open. It's very confusing. Nobody knows what they're doing in COVID times. There's no consensus among leadership about what to do. Everybody has an opinion. Just like everybody has a butthole. That exact thing. <laughs> you yes. all know that one. <laughs> what? Okay. I think I think we should wrap this up just really quickly. Um, most surprising Kings fight that you remember. Because I'm looking at hockeyfights.com as we are speaking. And I forgot that. Adrian Kempe got into a fight this year, huh? this past season. Uh, yeah, he was really mad about a hit. Yeah. I, I remember that. Yeah, against Pittsburgh, and that's a surprise. I'm Justin Williams went after Evgeny Malkin once. I remember that one. That was pretty surprising. Um, oh, I've got it. Uh, when Kopitar fought in the playoffs against Vancouver in 2012. Yes. That's got to be it. Yeah. Yeah, he stuck up for Dustin Brown and, and dropped the gloves. And what, it, you know, didn't look like he knew what he was doing, but he's just, he knew he was bigger than the guy <laughs> he was fighting. <laughs> Actually, okay, I think two of my, oh my God, okay. Just to bring us down the rabbit hole a little bit further. McDermott fought Lucic 
and Delorier. So not memorable necessarily, but the LA connection just makes me laugh. Wow. Delorier and McDermott really don't get along. Yeah, they kind of know that's what their jobs are. I don't maybe they might have played with each other at one point in Manchester. I'm not mm. totally sure. No, because I think McDermott was from was in um, Ontario. I don't think he was ever in Manchester, was he? I don't know. I don't he's know. He's not that old. He's like yeah. 25, 24. Yeah, and Delorier is a little bit older because he was part of the Braden McNabb trade. Uh, him and Hudson Fashing. Why do I? Oh, man. My brain is good sometimes. I'm proud of myself. Uh, one last thing before we call it a night. Um, potentially to make some extra revenue, the league is considering adding, putting ads on helmets. What are your thoughts, James? Uh, that is... You know, I I love the World Junior Championship, and it's always such a bummer to see the TELUS uh, advertisement across the visor. Um, now, they're not talking about doing the visor one. They're talking about making it a sticker on either side, almost like another part of the logo on the helmet, it seems. Um, and apparently, you can have a different advertiser on your home helmet versus your away helmet, um, which is super interesting. I, I guess the NHL's reasoning is teams need to make uh, advertisers happy because a lot of advertising contracts are based off of like in arena uh, activations. Well, the marketing term is activations. Um, so, yeah, so getting eyeballs on your advertisement, essentially. And since fans can't be in the arenas, the NHL, I guess, thinks that this is the way to help some teams fulfill that. I don't love it. I didn't like seeing the Lakers win the championship and having the Wish logo be on the jerseys. I, it, it, it bugs me. I'm, I'm so much of a purist. And it, it I mean... Yeah, we're we're just in the era where everything has to be monetized, and it it's it as a fan, it just I don't know. Right now, I, I hate it. Who knows? Maybe I'll just not care about it in five years. But for right now, that idea just seems really icky. I mean the the. League has been trying to get um, ad uh, ads on like jerseys forever, and they have them on the practice jerseys, um, and they've been trying to get them onto the in-game jerseys for the longest time. So it it wouldn't really surprise me if if they started adding them on the helmets now. Yeah, and and I think you know. The thing they always say is, oh, we're not going to look like the Finnish league anytime soon because, man, are those guys. I mean, they look like a NASCAR car, like with the the amount of advertisements plastered on them. Oh, yeah. Honestly, with the with the European league teams, I can't tell what's a name and what's an ad because I'm not familiar with names and ads. But I mean, it's still kind of like. When I was watching Kempi over there, I was like, which one is Kempi again? Yeah, that was, yeah, that's a weird one. Um, it, it's, it's hard. Uh, oh, did you see Carl Grundstrom's team was involved in a possible match fixing scandal, but the team was cleared of it, thankfully? I did uh, not know that the team was cleared of it. I know that, the, I knew that there was an investigation into yeah. the team. They, yeah, into... apparently they're just like, oh, no, they're actually very bad. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, the for those who don't know, the coach, I think it was the coach, right, who was accused of fixing the match and, and g- making the team lose it on purpose. Kind of like, um, 
um, the like baseball. Pete, Pete Rose or, or the Black yes, Sox. Yes, Pete Rose and, and the yeah. Black Sox. Thank you. James, you always know where I'm going. I, I, this is why you're I, a great co-host. Grunstrom's <laughs> uh, having good numbers, too, over there. 18 yeah. games, 13 points on a not very good team. 26 penalty minutes. Oh, boy. Um, yes. He must not like some guys over there. I think there's, <laughs> there was one clip I saw on Twitter where he's literally shoving a dude into the, into the bench. Like, hits him. Guy, like, goes into the bench. is coming back over the bench and just shoves him back into the bench again. Like, oh, uh, yeah. Good for Grunstrom. I want to see that feistiness this year. Yeah, he kind of looks lost every time he plays with the Kings. So I'm really hoping that a year back in Sweden really helps him solidify. And um, he's able to come back to L.A. Although part of me also feels like the Kings have were like, eh, we gave it a shot. We're done. You know, um, I think there's value there with that player. I really do. And maybe in a very soon episode we can speculate wildly about who what we think the king's lineup should be i like it all right well james i think we should end this podcast uh merry fisticuffs uh merry fight miss merry fistmas merry fistmas thank don't you don't lift heavy things while wearing flip-flops don't lift heavy things while wearing flip-flops okay Everybody, enjoy your holiday, whatever you're celebrating, if you're celebrating. Uh, Have a great New Year, and hopefully we will uh, talk to you safely on the other side of uh, 2020. In other words, 2021. Bye! Bye! Awesome!